Not too long ago, we had some front suspension work done on our minivan up here at, at Hill Auto. And uh, after they did the, uh, the work on the suspension, they needed to do an alignment. So why is this important, getting an alignment? Well, having wheels that are balanced and aligned means that the vehicle will handle better on the road and uh, more importantly, that our vehicle will stay on the road. <laughs> See, if, if tires are not properly aligned, uh, then we'll either be pulled to the right or to the left, compromising our safety and the safety of others. We want our vehicles to keep going straight, staying firmly on the roads that we travel. Right? We want to stay on the road. We don't want to be off. And the same is true with our lives. We want to go straight. We want to stay safely on the figurative road of life. We want to keep going the right way. So if proper alignment is important for our vehicles, how much more important is making sure we have proper alignment with our lives. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Are we properly aligned with God? See, are we living the right way? Are we going the right direction? And so, if we take some time to consider our personal lives, our work lives, the stress that we might be facing, things going on within our families, the various relationships that we have. Does it feel like we're being pulled this way or that way? I think we all feel the pull sometimes, right? I think just about every day we can feel that, that pull. And so is it possible that, and maybe we might not even know it, Sometimes that misalignment can be so just, you know, just slight that we might not realize it's there. But could our lives be misaligned today and, and something could be happening down the road just to take us right off? Is there, is there an accident coming our way in our emotional and spiritual and relational lives? And so we need... To be aligned, yes. And so whenever we think about getting an alignment on one of our vehicles, we have to take it in to the shop and get the, uh, the master technician, right, to, to do the job. Now, on our vehicles, I like to go to Gustavo. I don't know about you. Some others go to Gustavo. We get our work done. Okay. So I go to him for our vehicles, but for when it comes to my life, the direction of my life and our family, I like to go to Jesus. And so, and I think we all do. We need to go to him. See, Jesus is our master technician that can bring balance and can straighten out any soul. Any soul who will simply come to him. He will straighten out all of us. So 2,000 years ago, yes, before cars were invented, the people came to Jesus. 
And they knew something was very different about him. Something was really awesome about him. He spoke with an authority above life, of heaven and earth, that they never heard before. They, they were amazed at his acts of compassion and mercy upon those that, that other people in society, you know, didn't care about. Jesus cared. And they saw his mighty works, his mighty miracles displayed. And so they went to him, rightly so, to ask, what is the right way to live? And in our connection with our analogy this morning about being properly aligned, I think they were asking, how can we live the right way, being properly aligned with our God? And so Jesus replied, this is Matthew 22. Should have it up here. Yes, thank you. I'll go right to the scripture first. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we can easily see from what Jesus says that the right direction is always the direction of love. The direction of love for God and for everyone. And that does lead us to our first point today. We are to align our lives in the way of love. So today's message is kind of a sequel to last week's message on learning to love. I think we're going to dwell here a little bit. We're going to go into next week as well as we take communion together. It'll be kind of part three next week of learning to love. And so by way of review, I want to reference just a a few of our points. This is not on the screen, just to hear these from last week. Is that true love rises above our feelings. And we talked about how feelings, sometimes the way we feel, can really get us off. We might not feel uh, like giving love, but we know it's the right thing to do. We have to rise above our feelings in our relationships, in our marriages, to say, I'm in a commitment here. I'm going to stay with this person. I'm going to continue to love. And so it rises, true love rises above our feelings. It is a conscious decision to give of ourselves and serve the needs of others. And the other point we had from last week was that loving well will show ourselves and others that we are Jesus' people. So our ability to love is in direct proportion with how well we have opened up and received God's love. It's important to realize. A lot of people that aren't loving well because they don't feel very loved. They've not come to understand the great love of the Father given to us in His Son. His very life given for the world. They have not yet taken that in. They've they've let other things get in the way of that wonderful message, that we are greatly loved, perfectly loved, even though we don't always feel loved by others around us. We have love through Jesus. And so the more we open up and receive his love, the more, like a conduit, it's going to flow through us to others. 
Another wonderful verse that comes from the book of 1 John is chapter 4, verse 19. It says, we love because he first loved us. And this is kind of, again, from last week. We had it in the bulletin last week, not this week. But if you haven't yet uh, gotten into the book of 1 John this past week, I'd say, go for it this week. We're continuing to talk about the love of God, the love we share with each other. So, maybe this week, you take Monday through Friday. It's only five chapters, the book of 1 John in the New Testament. Read a chapter a day, and let's continue to learn. So we can see, at this point here, that our love, yes, that first comes from God, but that our love as a response back to God and our love for others then is what it means to be properly aligned. Okay, you think, okay, we've got that. The next big question is, what causes misalignment? And we're going to spend a little bit more time here together. Think, okay, we, we know about alignment, but then what, what takes us off course? You know, what, the, what gets us misaligned? And I want us now to look at the book of or 1 John chapter 2 about misalignment. We're going to read verses 15 through 17. This is the, uh, the Apostle John speaking to us. He says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, here it is, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. So the Apostle John is saying that our lives go into misalignment whenever we love the world more than God and others. Now, when John talks about not loving the world, this is very important, he's not talking about the rivers and the mountains and the trees. You think, well, some people might, might hear that, like, what, not love the world? The world's beautiful. All, the, all these wonderful things that God's made. Okay? That's, he's not saying don't love all, all these wonderful attributes of God's creation. You know, we're to appreciate, and yes, worship God for what he's, he has made. When John here, when the apostle talks about not loving the world, he means not loving the world's sinful systems of thinking and behaving that are contrary to God's perfect will. Our thinking, our speaking, our doing that just aren't in line with God's ways. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about the world. I want to break down for us the three specific areas that cause us misalignment with God's will. I'm going to go through these one at a time. So first that he mentions is lust of the flesh. This is having a continual focus on your own comfort. Lust of the flesh, meaning your body, kind of the, the, the exterior and being overly concerned and preoccupied with what makes you feel good. 
I want to read here, and I'm referencing Matthew 6. We don't have it up on the screen, but we can read these. Uh, you can read these into the week. But Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33. This is a response to this. And this is Jesus' words. It says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But then he says, But seek first. See, instead of seeking to eat and drink and wear all these, these comforts, all these things that, that we feel we need all the time, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be given to you as well. So it's where is our focus? Now we continue into the lust of the eyes. Now these two, I think, are very connected. Especially with the word lust, which we're going to be kind of developing here a little bit. Lust versus love. So lust of the eyes, similar to lust of the flesh, is that focus on the outward, the exterior. Not so much what you want to bring comfort maybe uh, to your body, but, but what looks good to your eyes. You know, being captivated, being drawn after every passing thing that looks good. This could be another person. This could be a a car or a truck, a new home, clothes, phones, all the things that we see in the world that make us think that will give us happiness. But as we know, I remember going through this as a a kid a lot. I try to share this with our kids. I remember, I I see that toy. Or you go to that toy store, "Oh, oh my goodness. It's like heaven, all these toys everywhere. And if I go, oh, if I could have this toy, oh, I'm going to be so happy forever and ever. And then, right, you know, two days later, where's that toy? Right? Where's the toy? It's, it's gone. So these things that we look at, we think will really fill us, it passes away. And see, Jesus tells us that our lives do not consist in, with the abundance of our possessions. Even the world tells us that that's what we need. All the time. Bigger, better, more. Buy, buy, buy. No. Sometimes simplicity and being content with what God already has given us is a blessed life. And the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, he says, So we fix our eyes not on what we can see, but on what we cannot see. Since what we see around us is temporary, he says, but what we cannot see is eternal. So here's, this is so countercultural. He's saying we need to, the scriptures are telling us we need to focus more on what we cannot see, not on what we see. We walk by faith and not by sight. See, the most important things in life are not what we see. Think about this. God, your soul, and the souls of others. These are what last forever. You see, I was, I was actually telling our kids the other day, you know, when we look at each other, like, you see part of me, but you don't see all of me. And see, we often judge by the exterior, but the scripture tells us God looks at the heart. And we need to start doing that more as well. And so the most important things, the eternal things of life is that we cannot see God, 
our own soul and the souls of others. And to care maybe a little bit less about all the things that we see and the things that can divide us in cultures and in the world of skin color and ethnic origin, all these different things, and saying, you need to spend time with people. You need to get to know them. And as you hear from them and spend time, you'll start to see their soul. You'll start to see what's truly important. Amen. All right. Now, our culture talks a lot about love. But I think what uh, the culture really means when they say we're going to talk about love all the time is lust. This is just from what I'm taking in, you know, day in and day out in, in our culture. I think there's a, a confusion between love and lust. See, lust looks at what's, what's good for me right now. What, what can satisfy my fleshly longings right now? See, as we've talked last week and into this week, the love of God calls us to give of ourselves. See, it's, it's, a, it's, it's giving. Lust is about taking. It's as simple as that. Love is about giving. Lust is about taking. Love is about caring for others in the long term. Lust doesn't care about the long term. Lust cares what makes you feel good in the short term. I mean, haven't you seen it this, in our culture, this immediate gratification thing? It's just like, it's just coming at us left and right. Whatever feels good, you know, let, let that lead you. See, there's a very popular song called The Shape of You. Maybe you've heard it by Ed Sheeran. It's called The Shape of You. And I looked this up. This song is the second most viewed video in the history of YouTube. The second most viewed video in YouTube. Uh, the song Shape of You by Ed Sheeran. With more than 3.8 billion views. Okay, well, I mean, 3.8 billion views. And the song is all about lust. It's all about lust. So this is what's impacting our youth. This is, not just youth, adults too. I mean, it's just all around. So uh, one of the main lines in the song that gets repeated is, I'm in love with the shape of you. Is it really love? Is it, I'm in love with the shape of you. I'm in love with your body. So the girl he's speaking about he is not in love with her soul, meaning who she really is on the inside. He just likes her outside. So when you pair this with the reality of the very widespread addiction to pornography in our culture, I mean, it's a $100 billion industry, pornography. It affects all, people everywhere, and I know even in our church. I know this. It just affects so many people. People don't have to go into that seedy store, that place. It's, it's, just, it's just right on your phone. You can have anonymity, privacy, but it's, there's no love there. It's all lust. It's all empty. And it is ruining lives. It's ruining so many lives. 
People think, oh, it's, it's not a big deal. But there's studies that are showing how porn is rewiring parts of our brain, the way we think, okay? Moving away from a healthy sexuality altogether, and it's ruining a lot of marriages. A lot of marriages are like, this thing with pornography and this thing about lust is taking us away from love with one another, that commitment, the vows that God has in marriage. All right, so the, we have the media, we have pop culture, we have radio, we have commercials, all catering toward the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. What will be good for you to feel? What will be good for you to look at? I mean, trying, trying to find your fulfillment in just the physical. But our scripture today in 1 John chapter 2, and verse 17 says, The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lasts, or lives forever. So, a lot of people talk about going on a food diet. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, okay, trying to be healthy physically. We talk about being on food diets, but uh, I think we need to go on a media diet. Really, really. We need to, all of us, go on a media diet. I mean, for me, uh, over the last two years, I have drastically reduced the TV shows, the movies, and even the news that I watch. And I've never felt better spiritually. Not watching all that garbage. I like coming at you again and again. See, it's going to be really hard for us if, to be aligned with God if every day through the TV, the radio, commercials, if that's going in our, in our eyes and our ears all the time, that is causing misalignment to the left and to the right again and again. So we just need to be real about that. and just say, what are we watching? What are we listening to? And just for me, it's just what my testimony this morning is what I've, I, mean, I just rarely watch TV anymore. Very rare, and I just feel so much better. And the less time with TV is more time to read the Bible, be with children, doing other things that really matter. All right. The last thing uh, that brings misalignment is the pride of life. The pride of life is the mentality. It's look at me. Give me attention. Look at what I can do. Look at what I have earned. But James 4 verse 6 says, God opposes the prideful, but shows favor to the humble. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, says, Whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. So pride says the glory of life should come to me. The glory of life, the attention, the accolades. That's, it says the glory should come to me and not to God. That's pride. I heard a phrase uh, from another pastor on a, one of the podcasts I listened to about combating pride. He said this. I think this is so good. It's not about thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. This is, I want to say this again. You could write it down or if you want to get it later. I just think this, this I was like, this is good. These are not my words. Uh, I'm not that smart. But he, he, he say in, in becoming more humble and less private, it's, it's, it's not about thinking less of yourself. 
It's thinking about yourself less. See, it's not devaluing ourselves. It's just getting away from the prideful preoccupation with ourselves. See, living this way of, of trying, always trying to make sure the attention's on you, it's really burdensome. When we just give it over to God, and we say, God, it's about you, and I mean, it, there's, there's a freedom and a peace that comes into us. See, the world, our sin nature, and the devil are constantly urging us to be lustful and prideful, focusing on ourselves and loving ourselves at all costs. That's what's really going on in the spiritual realm all around us. See, if we go this direction, we will live severely misaligned lives. And at the end of life, we will look back with many regrets. So we just need to be honest today with God and with each other. Where have our lives been misaligned by lust for other people, emotional fantasies, online addictions, lustful desire for more possessions of the world that claim that will make you happy but will disappear tomorrow? How have we been misaligned by pride? Just having just too much attention on ourselves. We're going to pray in just a moment here to conclude all this. But I really want you to think about how any of these issues we've talked about have been negatively affecting you or your family or those you love. And what I want to say is this. Don't keep driving down the road acting like there's not a problem. Anyone would say, well, we won't do this with our car or truck. To have real misalignment problems, we'd say, we take it to the shop, take it to the technician. You need to get this work done. We've already said, we have a master technician, his name's Jesus. And all he's saying is, come to me, I'm going to help you. So don't keep driving the road when we know something is wrong. See, our church has a great partnership with Christian counselors in Columbus. It's called Community Downtown, and it's right next to the library. And a number of our church members have already been courageous enough to say, you know, I'm going to talk with someone. At different points in my life, I've talked with a Christian counselor about things going on. We all need that. We need to get rid of that stigma. See, the devil would want you to say, oh, you don't see anyone. You're fine. And you never get any help. But God's saying, no, no, no. Talk to someone. There's, there, is, there is help here. All you have to do is let me know if you'd like to see a counselor. You don't have to say anything about what it's about. There's no judgment. I've already told you at the pulpit. I've seen people along, over the years. It's a good thing. Okay, so we, get, we got that. Also, for you personally and for your family, if you don't have an internet safety and filtering software on your computers, your tablets, or your phones, get one. Our family uses one called Covenant Eyes, and it works really well. See, it not only protects our children from all these things we were talking about, it keeps them safe. We have to have this in our homes. So these families, I'd say, let's, let's do this. Let's care for our kids enough. And it's not just for the kids. It's for me, too, making sure I'm not looking at things that I shouldn't be looking at. See, pastors have temptations just like everybody else, but we have to do something about it. 
So here's the end of the matter, and then we're going to close. We can be people of love, strong in faith and doing what's right, to obey the greatest commands of our Savior to love God and love others. We can be people of love, even in a world that continues to tell us about lust. See, when we love, we'll have true peace. We'll go in the direction of God's design. We will stay on the road of righteousness, and we will live the blessed life with proper alignment. Let's pray together. Lord, today uh, is an important message for all of us. I know I've gone long, but I pray that you have spoken and that what if you have wanted to bring to each person got through this morning. Lord, that we've been misaligned in many ways from your direction and, and we want to get aligned again. Yes, we do. Lord, for all the lust of the flesh and the lust of our eyes, right now we ask your forgiveness. For the pride we've had in ourselves and giving more glory to ourselves than you, right now we ask your forgiveness. We ask in the power of your Holy Spirit, in the power of your name, Jesus, break the power of lust and pride in our lives so that we can be people of love. Help us to get beyond ourselves so we can live with love, being aligned with you, and to love everyone around us the right way. This we pray in your name, Jesus. We all say, Amen.